So, uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, um, maybe not feeling joyful, but desiring to be joyful in your presence. We come uh, praying, asking that you humble our hearts so that we can sing with joy when we see your humility on the cross and the glory that that has brought into our lives. Would you prepare our hearts to hear your word in just a moment? And would your Holy Spirit do the work that only it can do, that I can't do, but what it can do, what you, uh, he can do, the, the, the love us, to uh, infuse uh, joy into us, uh, to transform us this morning. Name we pray, amen. Well, I'm gonna tell you something this morning that uh, you know. We're here, we're looking at the songs of Advent, uh, and what I'm gonna say to you is pretty well known. Songs have power. Like stories, songs have power. That's because the best songs are stories. These songs have different functions, you know, at different time of the year. We've got summer songs, we've got party songs, we've got backyard songs, we've got moody ballads on a bad day, on a rainy day, we've got jazz. We have all kinds of different music and songs, but we often use songs in a variety of different formats. Just like all art, we use art in different ways, depending on how we're feeling. We use songs to serve us in some way. Sometimes we want a song like we want candy, empty calorie treat that helps us escape. Sometimes we want a song to escape. Sometimes we want a song to remember. Sometimes we want a song just to remember that we have feelings at all. Why? Because songs stir us deep inside. They're emotional. That's why we can't explain it, we just like them. When we hear it, we just like it because it just stirred something inside of us. It's a religious event almost to listen to a song. If you've been to a concert, not in 2020, but prior to 2020, you know that they are uh, religious events. People are concert junkies. They just move people to this place inside and they come back to the same concert, sometimes in the same weekend, multiple concerts in the same weekend. Why? Because songs stir our hopes and fears of all the years. Sometimes a song will come along and it'll change you. You'll never be the same. This happened to me recently. Uh, my daughter Joy, who is three going on four, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's funny. Uh, she loves to sing and dance. She loves when we play music and she is sitting on the floor up here. And, hi, sweetie. Uh, she loves to sing and dance and uh, we were playing music and for some reason, you're gonna laugh when you hear it, she latched on to a song by Willie Nelson. I know, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful song, actually. It's called Hands on the Wheel. Uh, and it's a song about a man who's tried everything to find some sort of feeling and peace and significance. He's tried, the, the line is, he's, uh, he's tried to smoke his way into significance. He's tried to drink his way into significance. He's tried to uh, look at the stars. It's a weird song for a three-year-old girl to hear and like, but it's got a really dynamite refrain. That's why she likes it. But uh, she liked this song, but it's about, he found significance and love in his wife and his small son. And it changed his world and it found peace and belonging and love. And it's really a beautiful song if you get a chance to listen to it. But Joy, uh, she, uh, we, we, she hops in my arms, we dance to it. I twirl her around, we belt out the refrain. It's got a great uh, country western refrain. It's just, it's just a great, um, great song. But that song changed me, not just because it's a sweet memory, but because it exposed in me a deep-seated hope and fear of all my years, which is that I hope that I get to experience a joyful, close, loving relationship with my daughter Joy the rest of my life. And the dark side of that hope is that hope sometimes don't come true and the fear is what if that doesn't happen? Have you ever been transformed by a song? 
Today we're going to look at it, some lowly shepherds who've had their world rocked by a song. A song that literally burst on the scene and caught them off guard and was so good that it stirred their hopes and fears so deeply that it changed them forever. But the question that all of us have to answer today is what type of song are you looking for? Sometimes we come to church like we punch on the radio. We just need a song to escape, a song to forget, a song to feel. But do we often come to church this morning, come to our Bibles, do we come to our discipleship appointments, do we come to our small groups, our missional communities, asking God to transform us, to disrupt us, to break into our silent nights and stir us into something that we might regret, that might be uncomfortable, that might change our hopes and fears of all the years into something that we didn't expect or were asking for. So the question you have now is to answer, the question that you have to answer now is the one that I've had to wrestle with all week. Sitting in the midst of a pandemic, perhaps instead of our previously upward mobile life, has, it started to feel a little bit more like humble sheep tending, sideline sitting, a provisional life. It's shaken our ideas of glory and significance and peace, which should indicate to us that maybe our life needs some retooling, needs some transformation. But the question is, are we willing to go on this journey of transformation that starts with humility and ends with peace and nearness to glory, the only glory? So if this morning, if you are game to walk down this path of transformation, then let's press play on the music of the gospel and let's get up and live the Christian life. We're going to read the scripture now. That was a long intro, but hopefully that prepares maybe your heart to hear what you're about to hear. What you're, we're going to read God's word. It's more important than anything that I'll say after this and ask that maybe even just take a second to get ready to hear it as I read Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in a field watching over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were fear filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, if that wasn't sudden enough, suddenly there was an angel uh, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see, what this, see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd had told them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a passage, right? You've heard it, you've heard it a million times. It's known, it's familiar, it's nostalgic, it's iconic. I don't know how that sits with you. Maybe you've heard it too much, but maybe like a good song, you can't really hear it too many times. But here's the big idea that I wrestled with all week that I want to share with you this morning. That God's glory humbles us so that we can be gloriously transformed by his humility and peace. I'm going to say that again. God's glory, which is his awesome power and goodness, humbles us because we're not like him, which opens the door for us to be transformed by his humility, his death on the cross, which brings us peace. And how we're going to look at that this morning is a case study of how this played out in the shepherds' lives, specifically the song that transformed them and then the journey that it took them on. And all along, I want you to be asking yourself, do I find myself in this story? Do I want to experience this type of transformation? And the sobering question is, is if we cannot find ourselves in the story, perhaps we should consider why we can't find ourselves in this story. So let's look at the shepherd's journey. The scene opens on lowly provisional shepherds who are powerless on the grand stage of life. Shepherds that were not outcasts, but they were on the lower rung of society. Semi-nomadic people who traveled in their region from town to town where their sheep could make them some money, and they were usually the jobs that were given to the youngest son in the family. The oldest son got the job of honor, the youngest son got the sheep work if you know what I mean. Humble people doing humble work, but still human beings, like in every age and every time. Hopes and fears, longings and anxieties of those hopes not coming to, coming to fruition. We don't know this, but we can picture that these men having personal, familial, financial, maybe even political hopes and fears. But perhaps at the base layer, because we know this in our existence, and we know that people have always been people no matter what age they've lived in, they were filled with spiritual longings. Underneath their hopes and fears were spiritual roots that only God can satisfy. Longings for peace. Let's get specific about that peace. Peace with God, peace with people, peace with our circumstances, and peace with our purpose in life. I'm going to say this again. I'm going to ask, maybe even say, what, what is God stirred as you hear those? Which, one, which peace are you longing for? Peace with God, peace with people, peace with circumstances, or peace with your purpose in life? These men possibly felt all these longings while in a very dead-end profession that offered them very little hope for a grand life of power or opportunity. Can you relate to powerlessness? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. If not, what about some of these feelings that first century shepherds might have felt under the thumb of Roman oppression? Stuck, bitter, disenfranchised, muddled, scrambled in their brain, lonely, tempted to scheme their way to the top or out of their position in life. Maybe they dared to hope but that hope was probably squashed with perhaps a powerlessness to actually do anything about what they wanted or hoped for. 
If you're asking me, those sound like very 2020 things to be feeling. Maybe even apathy. And then God cracks open the sky on these humble men's silent night. These men are given the privilege privilege of seeing all of God's awesome power and glory, his might, his holiness, his goodness, his beauty. The list goes on and on. We can't imagine. We have no categories for what they saw that night. But we do know how we would respond because the shepherds show us. The shepherds do what any sane person would do is they hit the deck, as Pastor Brandon often says. When God's glory shows up, they hit the deck. Out of fear, pop, hit the floor. Because when people come into contact with God's glory, his power, his holiness, and his beauty, we're reduced to nothing and we know it. But this is the beautiful first step of transformation. Humility in the face of a glorious God. But the message is met with what, what first was fear was actually met with God's kindness and joy. Because you see, God is there that morning or that night to joyfully announce and reveal the royal birth announcement with his headlining musical group and all its glorious splendor. Declaring the good news that Jesus is coming to create peace where there should be fear. And modeling humility when pomp was expected. The angels break into song and they tell them they don't have to fear. Peace is coming. Peace with God. Peace with others. Peace with our circumstances. Peace with our purpose. Giving glory to God in the highest. All because a humble God king as a baby was lying in a manger. Scandalous phrase. And they would have known it. And these humble, seemingly insignificant shepherds were invited to his royal birthday party. A reminder that there's no one too insignificant to God. This moment of glory then sends them on a transformational journey to investigate and explore this humble king. They obey this revelation that that the angels gave them and they go to see if it's true. I mean, picture them knocking on Mary and Joseph's door wherever they were at. And what, what did they say? And then they meet baby Jesus, and the promised Savior is born to a family like them. Can you imagine the wonder? Humble people on the lower rung of society holding the God of the universe. Imagine maybe the shepherd's wonder and dignity and hope that were stoked in these men. And in an instant, we can assume they were transformed, initiated into a cosmically significant narrative, and given peace with their true purpose in life. The Savior has come to bring peace to those who is pleased. Remind the world of this cosmic ordering of things. God, everything else. His purpose, everything else. His peace and love above all others. But what happens next in the story is really kind of baffling. If we look at the text, they have this amazing encounter. And what do they do? They return to their hillside. They return to a, uh, a mundane hillside. Yes, that's what they do, as shocking as it sounds. But they return differently. They have a purposeful return to go back to their humble hillside full of glory and praise and peace with God, with others, with circumstances, with their purpose, that a coming Savior is there and to declare that to wherever they go with their sheep, to declare that the Savior's come. I mean, imagine, what they, what they, what, could they keep that bottled up even though yeah, did they know that Jesus was going to die on the cross? No. I mean, maybe if they were scholars and they read their Bible, but they knew a Savior was coming. Did they, did they have a gospel presentation to give where they went, no, because they, they weren't aware of that yet. But they did know 
that the glory of God had shown up and they said that the Savior is here and he's a humble king and he's coming on their behalf. Wherever their sheep work took them, they would be excited to glorify and praise God with those. I mean, think of this. The first people instructed to prepare the way of a royal Savior were insignificant shepherds. It's really actually the genius of God. They had the perfect profession, a transient, semi-nomadic life with probably lots of margin to be able to talk with people who come in their, uh, their sphere of influence. You know, I can, I can see them, the way we share a song when we hear a new, new club banger, we're like, hey, have you heard that jam? You know, like, you know, that, that, what, even more, what would that be like? But let's review the arc of the story because the, the point of today is for you to find your place in this story. Even though the circumstances will never be the same, glory's not gonna crack open the sky, at least we don't think. But here's the story arc. Lowly and powerless people experience a glorious revelation. They obediently explore and are experience, then experience transformation and finding that Jesus is there, is who he says he is. And they return purposefully to their mundane lives full of eternal purpose because of a coming peace. So can we find ourselves in this transformation story? Why or why not? I was forced to reckon with my own fear while preparing because if I'm honest, I have a hard time sometimes finding myself in the story. Maybe it's because we fail to see ourselves in the, we fail to see ourselves in the story because we fail to see us what we truly are. Humble shepherds doing work on a hillside. Do we see ourselves as powerless provisional people? Has not the world of 2020 done this to us? What power do we still think we have after a year like this? Was, has anyone been able to stop this, to solve racial injustice, to heal the division in our churches? to exact real political change. Anyone? Not me. Yet we still scrap and claw to retain our autonomy, to remain kings and queens of our own castle while perhaps the world burns around us. We continue to promote an image-conscious lifestyle, yet we resist with all of our might to feel an ounce of humility before God. We are like shepherds, but we fight to not feel like one. And as I was preparing, it struck me, why do I resist? Why do we resist this humility? When we see time and time again, it is God who often visits and works with those least likely to receive worldly praise. The woman at the well, the demon-possessed man, the lame and the beggar, and here these shepherds. Jesus comes to those who are humbled by life circumstances, most often the material poor when we're reading the scriptures. This was, this was stunning. Notice here the juxtaposition of glory and humility in the passage we just read. King of the universe, swaddling clothes in a manger. Heavenly choir, putting on a show for sheep. Side note, and this is a cheesy joke, but I often wonder if there was fainting goats with the sheep that night when like glory cracks open and like they're just plopping down. If you haven't, you know what I'm talking about, you should YouTube it, it's worth your time. Um, they didn't come to kings or business moguls. They came to shepherds, people after God's own heart. Think of the 23rd Psalm. David is a shepherd boy. Jesus himself says, if you want to know what my ministry is like, I'm the good shepherd. But let me ask you this. This is what keeps me up at night. 
Would we be eager to do the Lord's will and follow him if it resulted in insignificance and marginalization and powerlessness in our society? I'm going to say that again. Would we be eager? Would we be glorifying and praising God to do the Lord's will and to follow him if it resulted in insignificance, powerlessness, marginalization in our society? To become a stinky shepherd on the lower rungs of society. The question I ask is, am I, am I too proud to receive this transformation? The answer is usually yes. I don't want it because I don't have to give up my misplaced hopes and fears. I want an ascending life, not a descending life. But if we were there with those shepherds at night, we would never struggle, well, maybe not never, but it would be harder to struggle with humility again. Because the glory of God exposed them and would expose us, we'd be seen for all of our pride and self-exaltation, our Instagram accounts, our clothing budgets. As generally privileged people, we would find ourselves fearfully trembling before a holy God for how we've stewarded the gifts of power and our unwillingness to worship God in the highest above all things. This should make us tremble. And when we're trembling and we think of that, we suddenly don't feel that far away from a humble shepherd in a field because in the face of God's glory, we're humbled, which counterintuitively feels like the pathway to transformation through Christ's humility. God's glory, his awesome power and goodness humbles us because we're not like him and we know it so that we can be transformed by his humility, gloriously transformed by his humility on the cross, which brings us peace. So now, with a fresh dose of humility, it makes us ripe to hear the song that can meet all of our hopes and fears of all the years. Our hope for peace with God, our hope for peace with others, our hope for peace with our circumstances. Man, 2020, peace with others, we die for it. <laughs> peace with our circumstances, man. But maybe struggling here this morning, peace with your purpose. But before we hear the song again, I'm, and which is the, really the crescendo, the crux of this whole transformation story, the good news of the world, we have to ask this question again, the same one I asked at the beginning. We have to be revisited time and time again because we will forget. Do we want this type of transformation? Do we want to take the path of humility to experience the peace that God's humiliating sacrifice brings? There is no other path to peace that we desire, but you have to be the one to desire it where you're sitting. I do too. I do too. We can only, you can only, or you, and only you can access the hopes and fears that lie inside of you and what type of song that you're looking for. Because it's not an experience or a moment that transforms us. If that was the case, we'd have all worship bands and these mystical events that we'd be putting on. It's not even preaching or serving, all those things are good, but the backbone of transformation, which is what fuels and gives purpose to our spiritual formation, is when we, we are transformed through the working of the Holy Spirit, through the hearing of the gospel that transforms us. And the place that we find that here in the text is in the song. Glory to God in the highest. Say it again. Glory to God in the highest. And peace among those with whom he is pleased. So we're gonna break it down because this is the moment. 
If you're looking, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ, you're looking to be returned close today, you're looking to draw near, here it is. If you don't yet know Christ and you are, you're, you're seeking or asking questions, here it is. Let's break it down. Glory to God in the highest. It is an old world way of saying. We, glory is a weird word for us. But that God alone is worthy of your love and honor. He's worthy of your heart and your obedience above everything else. Supremely powerful, able to do all he wishes, creator, sustainer, holy, righteous, in every way, beautiful, powerful, and worthy of worship. There's a quote from St. Augustine, if we can find it back there. Um, It is this. Because the face of God is so lovely, my brothers and sisters, so beautiful, once you've seen it, nothing else can give you pleasure. It will give you insatiable satisfaction of which we will never tire. We shall always be hungry and always have our fill. And that's exactly why it is loving for God to say glory to God in the highest, glory to me in the highest, because he is the only one who can satisfy our longings for glory. Nothing else will satisfy. If you're sick of hearing that phrase in church, get used to it, because you're gonna hear it over and over and over again. Nothing else is gonna satisfy. The angels know this, and that's why they have no problem being joyful, joyful on a silent night. Because he is worthy of our love, he is worthy of our honor, our hearts and our obedience above all things. But here's the litmus test. I thought we were on the way up yet. No, we're going back down again, okay? Do you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? I do not. Above all things, are we seeking to orient ourselves around him or are we seeking to orient him around us? And collectively, our answer is no. At least not by our own strength. No one naturally fits the category of among whom he's pleased. We are unable by our own discipline to please God, not Bible reading, not gospel sharing, not piety, not serving, nothing, because at the end of the day, we cannot stop worshiping ourselves long enough to truly give glory, love, and and heartfelt obedience to God in the highest. And so this is where we must decide if we're gonna take the path. Will we be humbled by God's glory, realizing that we need his mercy, so that we can be transformed by his loving humility for us. We're left looking to receive mercy with God because we cannot gain it through our own efforts. But God has promised to do, to do that when we've been humbled by his glory and transformed by his humility. Because peace has a name. Jesus, the humble, glorious God King. Peace has a name, Jesus, the humble, glorious God King. <laughs> who came as a baby, sent by God the Father in his, in his loving peace offering to us that we don't deserve. He would live a sinless life for you and me, willingly give himself up to be humiliated again and again, and eventually with strips of his flesh torn from his back, thorns jammed into his brow. Just take a minute, just to feel what that, or to consider what that would feel like. And to have nails blow after blow after blow after blow driven into his flesh. While jeers and insults were endured, his glory was humbled with your divine peace on his mind. This is the good news. Likely you've heard it before. For all who will humbly receive this news and respond with a joyful worship and choose to place their faith in Jesus, peace has been accomplished. No other practice will accomplish peace. 
Only this truth leading to a response in faith in Jesus' will. Does this humble us? Does this humble you? Does this stir us? Does this stir you to want to respond with faith today? You know that God is on the move on your soul when you start to say, wow. And you start to feel some glory and praise welling up. Because when his glory humbles you, but it's also his humility on the cross that's the beginning of your transformation. This is the true secret. We will be humbled by the glory of God so that then we will seek him and be transformed by his glory that he's giving to us and through his peace. So I'm just gonna ask you to listen to some of these words of peace and tell me if they sound good to you because they find their roots in Jesus. But I wanna, I wanna access a, pl- a place here. At least when I read these, I, I longed for these. And maybe they do for you too. Listen to these words of peace. Rest. Contentment. Joyful presence. Gratitude. Calmness. A quietness of mind. Don't these all sound like things that we're looking for? And it comes to the finished work of the cross by faith in Jesus. Peace with God, the forgiveness of all of our hidden brokenness and sin by God who loves you and made you and sent his son to die for you. Peace with your circumstances, the God who loves you and sent his son is in control of your circumstances and using him for your good. And just like if you're a fan of Narnia, Aslan's on the move. We may not see it, but Aslan's on the move. Peace with your purpose in life, which is to glorify God above all things and to tell the world of this good news that the angels sing. Peace with God, others, purpose, circumstances. So are you looking for that peace this morning? If so, here's the the part of the sermon where we start to talk about what do we do. (laughs) The reality is there's lots of things we could do, and I've got several things that we're going to talk about that you can do, but I want you to focus in this morning on what maybe God may be asking you to do. Okay? The first is to acknowledge our hopes and our fears. Do you know what's at the root of your deepest roots, uh, deepest fears and longings? Have you gone down to figure out and what's, what's swirling around here? What's behind the hopes and fears? Is it powerless failure? Is it longing for love? Because the simple answer is, but it takes a lot of working out, time, grace, <laughs> space, is that every true hope and fear are met in Jesus. This week, you can, when you start to feel the itch to play a song to escape, why don't we turn to the song of the gospel? When you feel that itch. <clears throat> the next thing is to reframe humility. It seems like a weird thing to talk about humility because we don't want it. But humility is the pathway to the glory that you seek. Be, by seeing the kindness of God's glory humbled on your behalf, it will humble you to experience the glorious transformation of worshiping God in the highest. So when we, when we, when we come up against God, it's a good thing to say, I desire to be humble in your presence because it, it leads to me being able to properly worship you. This may be the, some of the most practical. Receive and practice peace. You have to receive peace with God so that you can practice peace with others because you've been humbled by God. You can now show up into relationships with others practicing that humility which then allows you to extend the same grace that you've received. So receive peace with God so that you can practice 
peace with others. We have to receive peace with our circumstances. That 2020, man, how many times are we gonna say this? I mean, if we look at the whole scope of history, there's lots of been bad years, but we're living in this one. So will we receive peace with our circumstances that God who loves you, that sent his son to die on the cross for you, who is mighty, awesome, glorious, and powers in control, that he is on the move in your circumstances, even if they're painful? Doesn't make the, the pain, all that, doesn't make the pain go away, but it means that he's on the move. Can we have peace with our circumstances that God is on the move? So that we can take action and have peace with our purpose, which is to glorify God only and to tell of his glory and his goodness wherever you would go. Practice peace with, or receive peace with God to practice peace with others. Receive peace with your circumstances so you can practice peace with your purpose to glorify God. So which one of those pieces of peace stirred you? That's maybe where God is on the move with you this morning. I can't tell you what that is. These are just things that I saw when I was in the time in the Word. But which one of these peace do you long for? So that you can return today back to your mundane sheep hillside singing. Because even the most glorious person in this room with the, the most exciting life still, in the, compared to the glory of God, is on a humble sheep side, or a humble hillside. So will you leave back here into maybe what may feel like a mundane existence full of an eternal significance that erupts with glory and praise, that gives purpose and digni dignity to the work that you're doing because you know it's about Aslan's on the move. <laughs> The world feels like it's burning. Maybe your world feels like it's burning. So you may not feel like singing this morning. But I'm gonna ask you to sing anyway. Maybe it's to escape. <laughs> Let's sing with hope now of a coming peace. The peace that you have now and the coming peace of Jesus coming again. Let's sing as herald of a mended world to come and the relationship we have with a glorious God. Because there are billions of shepherds waiting on the hillside next to you, waiting to hear a song of peace. Will we play it regardless of the consequences? I don't know, but I want you to receive the peace this morning so that you may spur one another on to glorify and praise God, saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Glorious God, joyfully, joyfully, we adore you. We ask that you make our hearts unfold like flowers before you. Will you humble us with your glory and fill our souls with deep wells of peace with you, our circumstances, and with our purpose so that we can return to our posts glorifying and praising you. Amen.